Thanks for watching today. Throughout the program, you'll notice this graphic. It's there so you know that we'd love to pray with you. You can give us a call or go online. Also, this is a great way to keep in touch with us. We are on part five of Stand. Today, we take a look at the purpose of the blood. In the Old Testament, the purpose of the blood was the innocent dying for the guilty. In the New Testament, God sent Jesus the innocent to die for everyone the guilty. To believe in the blood is to be redeemed of the curse of the law. Pastor explains what that curse holds and how to have faith in the blood. And we are talking about the blood of Jesus. The, the truth is, if I, could, if I could just give you one truth, only one thing we want you to understand and really grab a hold of, this is the thing. It is the blood of Jesus. Nothing can change your spiritual life as much is understanding and having faith in the blood of Jesus. Right? Uh, the, the best blessings that God has do not come without faith in the blood. Romans chapter 3, verse 25 says, Whom God has set forth to be a propitiation or a sacrifice through faith in his blood. Through faith in his blood. So we, we really kind of need to go back a little bit into the Old Testament to understand the purpose of blood and how blood affects redemption. So in Leviticus chapter 17, God said this, for the life of the flesh is in the blood and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes an atonement for your soul. So what they would do before Christ is men and women would come and they would build an altar and they would sacrifice on that altar and shed the blood of an innocent animal. Now it's the picture of the innocent dying for the guilty, which is a picture of Jesus. But basically what they were doing, if they would take and sacrifice that lamb, they were saying someday the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world is going to come. And they would just sacrifice a lamb as a type. and saying, I believe that that lamb is going to come, sometimes referred to in the Bible as the seed of the woman, right? the Messiah, the Redeemer. He's going to come and he's going to pay for sin. Right? Now, it's the blood, God says, that can make an atonement or a covering for your soul. Now, in the Old Testament, it was just an atonement. It was a covering. The sins were covered. In fact, look at Hebrews chapter 9, verse 12. It says, He, Jesus, went once into the holy of holies, into the holy place. Now, there are, there are several temples or tabernacles in the Bible. Moses built one. Solomon built one. Zerubbabel built one. King Herod built one, right? Every one of them was basically the same, right? They, they were, there was an outer court where all the men would, could come. Then there was the holy place where only the priests could go. And then there was the most holy place. And only the high priest could go one time a year. And inside the most holy place was the Ark of the Covenant. The top of that ark was called the mercy seat. And when the priest went in, 
the Bible says he never went in without blood. And he would take the blood and he would sprinkle that blood over the mercy seat. Right? And he would cover the people's sin for a year. The next year, had to go back in again. The next year, go back in again. The next year, he'd go back in again. But Hebrews 9 says, Jesus went once for all into the holy place. The holy of holies of heaven in the presence of God. Now, when Moses went up on the mountain and received instructions to build the first tabernacle, God said, make it exactly the way I show you. Because it was a copy of one that God had in heaven. And Jesus did not go into the holy of holies on earth, the holy of holies of heaven, the Bible says, into the presence of God. Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood. To obtain and secure eternal redemption. So he took his blood, Jesus did, into heaven, into the holy of holies of heaven, and put it on the mercy seat in heaven. And the Bible said he secured an eternal redemption. In other words, the priests in the Old Testament had to come back every year because the blood of bulls and goats could never take away sin. But what Jesus' blood did, it paid once for all, for all sin. So the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 24, that you've come to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling. The high priest would go in, sprinkle that blood seven times on that mercy seat. But you've come to the new covenant, to the blood of sprinkling, that speaks better things than the blood of Abel. So Jesus took his blood, put it on the mercy seat in heaven, and his blood is speaking. Now, when Cain killed Abel, God said, his blood is crying out to me from the earth. And, and literally in the Hebrew, it says his bloods, his bloods, plural. It wasn't just his blood, but it was the blood of generations that were going to come, that were crying out. And they cried for justice. They cried for vengeance. And God punished Cain as a result of that. But Jesus' blood is in heaven. It's on the mercy seat. It's in the presence of God. And the Bible says his blood is speaking. And it says, forgive them, have mercy, bless them, deliver them, accept them. God, the blood of Jesus is speaking in heaven right now on your behalf and my behalf. In, Hose in Hosea, God speaks to the prophet and said, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. They're destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And we need to understand the blood. We have churches now that take their hymnals and take the songs of the blood of Jesus out of their hymnals. They're ashamed of the blood. But let me just say this. The blood of the gospel is about the blood. Amen. It's about the blood of Jesus. That's what it's about. Right? Now, now, when we built this building and... Um, the, we, the church, we took out a loan. And one of the stipulations that the bank had was that the church would take out an insurance policy on me and that the church would be the beneficiary 
right? And that if, if I died by chance, that during the time where the church was finding a new pastor, that there would be sufficient funds to take care of everything. Well, you know, we did that 10 years ago, but they come back every year because the, the policy is still functioning until we get this paid for, right? And so they, they come every year, either a doctor or a nurse, right? And, and they, they, check me, they check me all out, and then they take blood. You, you know, you think they just take a They take like four or five vials that big, all right? And, and in about two weeks later, two or three weeks later, I get a letter, all right? And in that le th th this letter will have two and a half pages of stuff that's in my blood, all right? Like, you got so much of this, you got so much. I looked at that and I thought, I never knew there was half of that stuff in my blood. Listen, you don't know half of what's in the blood of Jesus, what his blood has purchased for you. Now, the difference is my blood just functions. But with the blood of Jesus, it is by faith in his blood. And faith is dependent on knowledge. You need to know. The Bible says in Ephesians 1.7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Revelation 1.5 says that he blood washed us from our sins. There is forgiveness. There is redemption in the blood. 1 Peter 1.18, knowing that we were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold. Now listen, there is a part of you that is not from this world. There is a part of you that came from God. God is the father of spirits. And because of that, you could not be redeemed with something from this world. You had to be redeemed with something from another world. Right? So you couldn't be redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from the aimless conduct received by the tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb slain before the foundation of the world. You were redeemed. Now, you, you just hear that and you're like, you know, big deal. I'm redeemed. But what does it mean? Let me, let me kind of break it down just a little bit. Galatians 3, 13 says, Christ has redeemed you from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it's written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles through faith. And we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So you're redeemed from the curse of the law. Now, if you don't know what that is, that doesn't mean anything to you. But the curse of the law is found in Deuteronomy chapter 28. The curse of the law includes poverty, fear, depression, living under a curse, being the tail and not the head, always having to borrow and not lend, being beneath and not above, in a condition where you're, there is no rest, where you're constantly in distress, where there's hunger, thirst, oppression, nakedness, and defeat. And every sickness that's written in the curse, and I quote, also every sickness and every plague which are not written in the book of the law. So it includes all sicknesses that are written in the book, and all the sicknesses that are not written in the book. Now, if you have all of them that are, and all of them that are not, how many know that's all of them? <laughs> and Christ redeemed you 
bought you back and brought you back from the curse of the law. That the blessing of Abraham, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through faith. Through faith. So Abraham has his son Isaac when he's 99 years old. That boy begins to grow up. And it's really interesting, if you study the life of Abraham, Abraham is constantly stopping and making altars and worshiping God. But all of a sudden, this, this boy's born, who he's been believing for for decades, and no more altars. Interesting. It seemed like God blessed him with what he wanted, and he got focused on the blessing instead of the blesser. And one day God said to him, you're crazy about that kid. He said, I want you to take him over to Mount Moriah. And I want you to sacrifice him there. And he takes him up there. You know the story. He, he was going to kill his son. And God said, stop. He said, now I know that you value me, love me, and believe me more than anything in this world. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham out of heaven the second time. And said, by myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing not withheld your son, your only son. So, so get this, Abraham's in covenant with God and Abraham is willing to give his son. So you know what God does, don't you? He gives his son. In fact, as he is coming down the mountain, Abraham says, Jehovah Jireh. And I remember the old song, you know, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. But you look in your center column reference and this is what it says, in this mountain, the Lord will provide, or it, the sacrifice, will be provided. Right. And again, if you're up on that Temple Mount and you could get that wall, that eastern wall, to disappear, it would just be a few stones thrown to the spot called Golgotha, where Jesus was crucified. On that mount, the sacrifice was provided. Because you didn't withhold your son, he says, blessing, I will bless you. My favorite translation, God says this, Oh, how I am going to bless you. He said, he said, oh, how I'm going to bless you. He said, I'm going to multiply your descendants. He said, they'll possess the gates of their enemies. And in you, all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. And it's just a chapter later, the 24th chapter. It says, now Abraham was old and well advanced in years. And the Lord had blessed him in all things, all things. That blessing of Abraham, it includes all things. God couldn't even say how much. He's, he's just going to go, oh, how I'm going to bless you. Got a little bit of a shake in his voice, I think. Oh. God say, man, I'm going to bless you, bless you, bless you. He redeems you that the blessing of Abraham might come in your life by faith, by faith. 2 Corinthians 5 says God is no longer counting or holding men's sins against them, but has blotted them out. People think I'm so, in fact, I, I said this, I think I said this last week. I was talking with somebody and they said, man, if I went into church, the roof would cave in. Now, the, what they're saying is I'm so bad. I'm so bad. But the truth is God's not holding anybody's sins against them. Why? Because of the blood of Jesus. He wants to be to everybody the God who forgives. That's what God wants to do for each and every one of us. 1 Peter 2, 24. 
who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we, having died to sin, might live to righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. When that whip hit Jesus back and that blood shed by his stripes, you were healed. Isaiah said healing was purchased for us. Colossians 1, 13. He has delivered us from the power of darkness or the kingdom of darkness and conveyed us or translated us into the kingdom of the son of his love in whom we have redemption through his blood. Now, by the blood, you were purchased. And the Bible says God took you out from under the domain, the kingdom of darkness. One translation says the gloom and doom of Satan's kingdom. Another says the jailhouse of darkness. And he took you and put you into the kingdom of the son of his love. And everything the devil tries to attack you with, it's illegal. But you've got to know that it's illegal. Listen to Romans chapter 5, verse 17. It says, For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more surely will those who receive God's overflowing grace and the free gift of righteousness reign as kings in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. See, God wants you to reign as a king. You're in his kingdom. The Bible says in Revelation 1.5 that he blood washed you from your sin and made you to be a king and a priest to God the Father. But God wants us to put faith in the blood. Now, some of you have heard the term plead the blood. How many ever heard the term pleading, plead the blood, pleading the blood? And really, pleading the blood is equivalent to faith in the blood. Now, for some people, and it shouldn't be this way, it's kind of like a lucky rabbit's foot. You know, I'm just going to plead the blood. They have no idea what they're talking about. All right? But, but let me just, just, just share a little bit with you about this. God says, put me in remembrance. Let us plead together. Declare thou that thou mayest be justified. You know, if you go to a court, in a court of law, and the, the judge would say, how do you plead? It's a legal term in our judicial system. And you could say, well, I, I plead guilty. Or you could say, I plead not guilty. Or you could say, well, I plead not guilty by reason of insanity. <laughs> All right? But, but the truth is that in the spiritual realm, we can plead not guilty by reason of the blood. Because the blood of Jesus paid for everything that you ever did wrong. Now, the Bible says Satan, he is the accuser of the brethren. You can kind of picture him in a courtroom. And he's standing there making all sorts of accusations, kind of like a district attorney, saying, you did this, you did that, you did the next thing. And the truth is, you may have done everything that he's saying, but by the way, you're not who he thinks you are. But he may be saying, you did this and you thought that and you did the other thing. And well, how do you plead? Well, I plead the blood. Because the blood paid for everything I ever did wrong. So we plead the blood. Right? And Jesus is your attorney. His blood is in heaven. It's speaking for you. It says, my little children, we write these things to you that you don't sin. But if you sin, we have an advocate like a lawyer with the Father, Jesus Christ, 
the righteous. And his blood is there speaking on your behalf. And he himself is the propitiation, the sacrifice for our sins. And not only for yours, not only for ours, but for the sins of the whole world. Right? What people need to do is receive what God has for them. And when the accuser of the brethren comes, as believers, we need to plead the blood. There needs to be a continuous application of the blood to your life by faith. When the enemy launches accusations against you, you have to offer a rebuttal and plead the blood. Again, it's synonymous with I have faith that the blood of Jesus has paid for my sin. I have faith that the blood of Jesus has brought blessing in my life. I have faith the blood of Jesus brings deliverance in my life. I have faith the blood of Jesus brings blessing into my life. And by the word, that very word bless, if you bring it back to its root, it means because of blood or sanctified by blood. Right? Bring your case to rest because faith in the blood is all that is ever necessary for total victory. But God has given us supernatural weapons to fight supernatural adversaries. And those weapons that he's given us, by those weapons we can win every conflict, right? And the number one weapon that God has given us is faith in the blood. And then the name of Jesus, right? Now, I know the devil shows up, you know, and, and he's constantly accusing because that's what he does. He tells you, you did this, you did that. He tries to condemn you. He tells you, you're never going to be free. You're never going to have victory in your life. You're never going to break out of poverty. You're never going to have peace. You're never going to have direction in your life. You're just going to go through life with no purpose. You know, and you're laying there in bed at night, and he's coming with all those accusations, you know, and you're thinking, man, I need some sort of sleeping pill or something, you know. But what you should do is you should just tell the devil, devil, I thought about being depressed about all that stuff, but then I thought about the blood of Jesus. And devil, I believe I'll tell you a bedtime story. <laughs> How many ever had a bedtime story when you were a little kid? They'd, they'd read that story, once upon a time, once upon a time. So you just tell the devil, devil, once upon a time, Jesus went to the cross and shed his blood. And once upon a time, he took that blood and he put it on the mercy seat in heaven. And when he did that, once he obtained an eternal, complete redemption for me. And by that blood that he put once, I am forgiven of all of my sins. And by that blood he put once, I am free from every bit of bondage. And by that blood he put once, every bit of guilt is gone. And by that blood he put there once, the blessings of Abraham are mine in Jesus' name. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. And they overcame him. That's the devil. And they is you by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. See, we've got to plead the blood. We have got to say what the blood of Jesus has purchased for us. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. In Isaiah 59, he said, this is my covenant 
He said, and my spirit is upon you. And my words that I put in your mouth shall not depart out of your mouth, nor out of the mouth of your descendants, nor the mouth of your descendants' descendants from this time forth and forevermore. You need to get a mouth full of the blood. What the blood has redeemed you from, what the blood has purchased for you. Oh, yes. Now, well, I guess our time's up. I'm going to have you repeat this with me, all right? How about we make a confession together? All right, you repeat. I'm just going to get the line. You repeat it. I plead the blood of Jesus over my family. I plead the blood of Jesus over my thoughts in my mind. I plead the blood over my past and my future. Devil, you can't have my children. You cannot have my marriage. You cannot have my body. I plead the blood of Jesus. And I win my case. I plead the blood of Jesus. And I'm justified. I'm forgiven. Jesus' blood cleanses me from all sin. All its forms and manifestations. I'm redeemed by the blood. I belong to God. The blood of Jesus purchased me. And I live for the glory of God. Let me give you one last verse as we close. Revelation 5 and 9. They sang a new song and they said, You're worthy to take the scroll. To open the seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood. You were purchased and you belong to God out from under the domain of darkness. Now, as you've been watching today, you realize in your heart, I'm not right with God. I'm away from the Lord. Or maybe you don't, you have no idea where you stand with God. And you say, but I want to be forgiven. I want to be right with God. I want to invite you, bow your head, pray this prayer with me, pray this out loud, make these words your own. Say this from your heart. Just say, oh God, I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. I believe he rose again. And I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I'm holding nothing back. I'm going to live for him every day. And I thank you, you've heard my prayer, that I'm forgiven, that you make me a new person on the inside, a part of your family today and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Dwayne, we'd love to get you a copy of his free book, Your New Life. He wrote this book to help you continue on your journey to take the next steps in your walk with God. You can go to our website to request a copy be mailed to you or download it. Either way, it's absolutely free. When you check out walkingbyfaith.tv, you can purchase a copy of today's message, Faith in the Blood, in the WBF store. If this ministry is feeding you and blessing you spiritually, please consider becoming a partner with us. You can go to walkingbyfaith.tv give and click on the option that's right for you. Until next time, be blessed.